Welcome to CMOs and SaaS, a podcast powered by Tenbound, hosted by David Denver. My name is James Bodden, here to introduce episode one featuring Tara Pollack, head of marketing at GetAccept. Tara is a B2B marketing leader who spent her time in various marketing positions in global B2B tech companies. Tara's real passion is for all things marketing, digital, content, and thought leadership with a special focus on demand generation, operations, and analytics. Tara currently leads the GetAccept US team to grow demand by leveraging brand and demand gen strategies to create exciting buzz and trying out the latest marketing tech trends. Enjoy episode one of CMOs and SaaS powered by Tenbound. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. This is David Denver, your host. And today we're starting a new series and that series is called CMOs and SaaS. And, you know, initially the first person that I thought of was Tara Pollack, the head of marketing at GetAccept. And why? Because she's a marketing leader that truly leads from the front, right? Like that, those are the things that are really important when we get folks on the sales development podcast. It's so important to really understand what they're about and, I'm just so happy and stoked to have you on the show. Tara, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, David. Super, super nice intro. I'm really excited for our conversation and to be here today. Absolutely. And so like, how about we start with this? Like, who is Tara? And, you know, what led you down the marketing path as like a career choice? I mean, you know, you could have gone in down the legal side, you could have gone down sales, but something about marketing must have really intrigued you. And so I'm really curious about that. Yeah, that's a, I love that question. So I am one of those marketers that has actually two degrees in marketing and studied marketing from 18. I got my undergrad at Quinnipiac in Connecticut and then my MBA in global marketing. So there's a lot of marketers today that have very different you know, backgrounds and they work themselves into marketing. And I just figured out at a young age during college, I had a professor actually told me that I'm too much of a people person to go into anything else. And he was an economics professor. I wish I remembered his name. I should look it up. But that sticks with me a lot because I love theory and I love concepts and definitely analytics at this point in my career. But I just love helping people. Honestly, I'm a very empathetic like leader mm-hmm. and just see, you know, see things that are going on with, if it's friends or family, I'm like the biggest proponent of other brands. One of my favorites is like Peloton and people are like, you should just work for them because I just get overly excited about things that really help other people. And that's really, I think, where my passion for marketing comes from. No, I completely admire that about you because since I've gotten to get to know you more on a personal level, you're, you know, not only talking about sales, sales development, marketing, but like you've gotten to get to know me as a person. And I think those soft skills are so important, especially in the times that we're in today, obviously being, you know, kind of going down that path of recession, going down the path, you know, for the last few years with COVID, some leaders don't, haven't really understood what it means to lead from the front. And so, you know, the thing that I found fascinating, and we're going to dig into that million dollar question in a second, but, you know, I thought one of the coolest things you told me while we weren't on the show, of course, was that you actually spend one-on-one time with SDRs. I thought that was quite fascinating. You're the head of marketing and you like to actually 
go down to the SDR level and, and get to know what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. I am very well aware that marketers are not at the forefront of talking to prospects, right? So, you know, we do a lot, a lot of work in many different capacities and brand and demand generation. And if you're focusing on the right things, you're building an inbound funnel, but marketers aren't the ones answering that first, you know, demo request or call or whatever it might be in your area that you're selling. And typically that's an SDR. And so getting that feedback directly from them and not, you know, through a chain of whether it's data or analytics or insights is, I think, probably one of the most critical things any level of marketer could get. So talking to your, whether it's one SDR, the team SDR, picking out random ones and having them understand that we're in it together and we only succeed together because I want to know, yeah, just as much as I want to know, you know, the really positive, like this is a perfect ICP fit and (laughs) I converted them to a demo in a second. I actually am more interested in the ones that were not good leads. Why were they DQ'd? You know, it's like marketing's not doing their job if 80% of what you're pushing to the SDR, they are not going to have a sales qualified lead. You know, it, it needs to be an open line of communication. And I think that starts with the leaders. So, wow. I mean, talking about like it all starts with the leaders. Yeah, 100%. And knowing that in SDR, like I think, you know, going back to when I was an SDR, I would actually be a little fearful, like, oh my gosh, like, the head of marketing slacking me and she wants to know my pitch. Is it like, because I might be getting fired. Like it could be intimidating when in reality, you're really wanting to get to know like their process and like being able to like help your marketing team be able to get additional MQLs and SALs, sales accepted leads, like to make sure everything's working correctly top of funnel. I mean, is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I think I can understand that that mentality, of course, like anybody gets a little like, ah, you know, what is a CEO picking me or whatever leader that might be? And they can be the nicest person in the world. It's not bad. It just becomes with the title, I think a little bit, but if you really work internally to have people understand really who you are and the fact that you are on their side and you really want them to succeed. And I don't think I've ever asked an SDR of, you know, a question, maybe I have, and that they're welcome to call me out, but <laughs> for sure, I'm really interested in not their pitch. I've honestly never really gone over their pitch because you have sales enablement, sales leaders mm. working with them. I'm happy to critique them if they want, but I trust that they're doing their job right. Mm. First of all, it's more of that process alignment. You know, can we do something better in our messaging or our positioning? Or maybe they're not ready to buy and we're pushing you know, MQLs or leads or however you categorize it at your company to SDRs and they're not ready to buy. And it's like, well, maybe that's at an unfair advantage. Maybe they shouldn't be at that part of the funnel. So it's really more about like lessons learning together, the way that I look at it. And you have to really, really work at that relationship because you're right. You know, some people just are never going to have that mentality. Yeah, no, not at all. But that's so cool. Like any future SDR that is going to potentially even work, work with you in the near future know if you get that knock on the door, it's all good. Don't be afraid. Tara is in the house to help. And that really like sets us up for the conversation along the lines. And I call this the million dollar question. Should sales development report to marketing or sales? 
Yes, I love that question. So I think that is a good topic that gets thrown a lot around a lot. Yes, it does. And my answer to that is it depends. So it depends on the org of your company and really who's the best leader and department and team to help your frontline SDRs. Is it marketing? Is it sales? Is it, you know, like a revenue team? Maybe it's like a zero or like reporting all the way up. And it's different with each company and the way that they're structured. So I think the person who's going to give the best coaching guidance, get down in the details, get down in the dirty with the SDRs. So that's why it depends. You know, it shouldn't just be like traditionally, okay, you know, the SDRs are part of the sales team and things like that. They, it might be a hybrid role. They might get some direction or their ICP or, you know, segments or lists or, you know, from marketing, but then be in sales calls. So there's lots of different ways to structure it, but I just look at it. It's like, where will they will be most successful and get the most amount of feedback to grow? No, for sure. And, you know, that makes me, I kind of start thinking about a few different things. And one of the things that we actually talked about offline, of course, was, you know, that you have so much passion, you know, being a top of funnel, you know, marketing leader, and that you really like to align with sales and make sure everybody's well aligned. So like, what does that typically look like? And why that alignment? Why do you find that to be so important? I mean, I obviously have that answer. I know why it's so important. I think anyone in sales and leadership would see that. But I think for the SDRs kind of getting started in their career, that I think it's important for them to know, you know, with you being in the seat that you were in today, being a top of funnel marketing leader, like, what is your like thought process behind that? Yeah, I don't think you can grow without alignment because you're really going in different directions if you don't have them. If you don't have the right goals set, you know, you you can start from the top with your whole funnel. But I think you really need to understand even just baseline of what percent of revenue should be coming from marketing and what could that be expected? Mm -hmm. You know, it's different for each company and industry and what you sell. But once you start to kind of uncover that and break it down in each area of the funnel, it becomes very, very clear because when you have those weeks that are amazing weeks, and then, you know, a couple of weeks later, it drops down and you say, this week isn't our average. Where do you try to look for the reasons why or the trends? And that's where it all comes down to in that middle of, okay, this might've dropped because maybe marketing updated their site, or we were into this huge event and there was a lot of brand awareness. So we're getting a lot of direct traffic. And so you can understand the why. And if you don't have that alignment, how are you analyzing the process from a week to week basis without that alignment? Because then you get into the kind of the blame game, right? That can happen, which still happens when you have alignment. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, but it's done in a different way that everybody agrees on those goals and push back, you know? So Yeah. No, I mean, I think the pushback, it's important. And if it's done in a respectful way, obviously at a leadership level of like explaining the why behind decisions that are being made, but it's interesting to kind of maybe get a behind the scenes look like, so for example, you know, as an SDR, SDRs don't really get to see what's behind the scenes. So like if, you know, their SDR leader, for example, wanted to roll something out, like some type of a contest or some type of a campaign, they thought they were going to be able to push it through. And let's say a week later, they said that they couldn't end up doing it. 
And I think SDRs think, oh, well, does our manager not want to do it? Is it not aligned with like what marketing and sales is trying to do? Sometimes I think SDRs get caught up in what's going on around them with like what's going on in leadership and they don't really have the insight of behind the scenes. And sometimes they want to be more involved or feel more, I wouldn't say more important, but I would say like they want to be feel part of the process. Like what do those senior leadership meetings look like for the SDR folks that are tuning in today? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think from my vantage point, there's a cost and like risk analysis that's done from an ROI standpoint. So, you, you know, you can't move every idea forward. A lot of it is like timing and a lot of it is timing and budget. So yeah, there's a lot of conversation at a, a management level, especially in today's world with, you know, budgets, like yeah. tightening or, you know, getting scrutinized and every little piece, which we should be doing anyways in the tech world, that's an aside, but it can get a little bit more intense with different times, right? Of the economy. but. I think it all comes down to communicate and communicate well and why it's as any leader, you shouldn't just go back to your team and say like, Hey, we developed that program. Everybody loves it, but it's just not right now. The answer should be, it's not right now. And because, you know, we talked about it and we already are over budget for the month of June, but we're going to consider it in July. And Hey, by the way, feel free to circle back with me. Like the human element should come back too, you know, that everyone's doing the best that they can and they're more than happy to take that idea down the line or if they want to come into the meeting, you know, it's not just all about management making the decisions. Maybe the SDR feels really passionate about, you know, a contest or a campaign or a different approach that they want to do and let them make the case, let them make the business case. And hear it from the front line. I, I love when that happens. So like, let's paint a picture for an SDR. So like, I think this is that that's a really great. And like the way you just painted it was perfect. Was if an SDR is really passionate about, let's say in this sense of like, I think that this campaign can generate X, Y, and Z revenue. As a marketing leader, would you like the SDR to go straight to you? Or they channel that to their SDR manager because you know how some organizations, SDRs, if they go straight to marketing, who knows what's happening behind the scenes where that manager might be like, well, I just heard from marketing. You went straight to marketing. Should you have brought that to me? And once again, it's all, I'm not going to have you answer it in a certain way where, you know, who knows, like somebody, a leader might be very passionate and maybe a little older school in regards to you know, the way that organizations should be like channeling information, but like, what's your thought process? And like, would they build like a business plan and get it sent to you? Or what would they do to really get that idea heard? Yeah. I mean, I think things don't happen in a silo, right? (laughs) So (laughs) I think the SDR should probably go to their colleagues or their team or bring it up and decide on how they would want to approach it. I mean, me as a marketing lead, I would love to hear that idea but I understand that they might feel like they're like not stepping on toes or if they go like around their manager. And and that's like, I think a case by case, you should always let your manager know, Hey, I have this really great idea. I would love to present this to, you know, whoever in marketing, what do you think? 
what yeah. role do you want to play? Cause you, there's a lot of trust there. So an SCR manager might be like, great, run it by me or invite me optional, you know, allow the SCR manager to say their capacity and they might have complete trust and think they're like the highest performer and say, go for it. They don't even need to look at it or, right. you know, so I think they should always be in the know, but I think you can easily, I don't like this term, but skip level and go to the right leaders. They should be open to that. And I don't think they're hiding it and you shouldn't be hiding that, right? It should be open and as transparent as possible. I just think in my head, it would be the SCR and maybe their manager, just because the manager might want to give them some pointers beforehand or whatnot, or, you know, more heads are better than one, basically. No, for sure. It all goes back to the culture because I've been in two different types of cultures personally, where it's totally cool, where SDRs reach out directly to the CEO you know, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll plug Sendoso here, for example, like Chris Rudegrap is mm-hmm. an individual where if you just started, you're one month in, he wants to hear from you. If, if you have an idea, great, slack it. Like, mm-hmm. and he's not the leader that's going to go back to the SDR manager or the VP and say, hey, your SDR, you know, your SDR is slacking me. Like, maybe we should get the channels. Like, he encourages that. And that builds that culture of a, you know, fun place to work where you're not like fearful of like, oh my gosh, I just slapped somebody and this could turn out to be, you know, a bad thing, whatever the case may be. So I think you're right. It all starts with the leaders, you know, from the very top and like building that culture. So like, love to hear. And especially like at Get Accept, like your culture seems really fun. It sounds like an awesome place. And I love to hear more about like your viewpoint on culture since we kind of dug into a few things with like SDRs and how they would approach, you know, reaching out to marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So I was smiling when you were saying that about the CEO and I just know in my heart that any one of our founders would be thrilled to get a Slack message from anyone in the company as I would. I right now, you know, we're a global company that's dispersed across many different countries and I have no qualm about pinging anyone I've never met or even talked to before. And I really hope that everybody at Get Accept feels that way. And I, the people that I know do feel that way. It's just a very inclusive, we all need each other to succeed and you really want each other to succeed. So yeah, we have a lot, a lot of fun together. It's hands down the best part of Get Accept is the people just very, very passionate, open. I literally get FOMO if I miss our like daily standup. For our hangouts. I I swear they're just some of the best people that I've known. I went, had a baby last year when I went on maternity leave and I was like, Oh yes, I'm going to miss like the marketing and I'm super passionate. I was like, I'm like missing their lives. Like I want to know what's going on. (laughs) So I think it's something that is very, very unique to get accept. And I really need to credit the co-founders to this. So when they started get accept, they you know, we're on a journey to really help AEs and anyone in sales and a lot of the broken process that they saw from like a digital selling perspective, but they wanted it to be a good place to work. And they really, really have tried hard. And it's just so obvious if you speak to any one of them that, you know, yeah, it's, it's a people first and your life is first, your happiness is first and then work second, but it's not in a oh, you know, are, do people like take advantage or they don't work hard? I think it's, they work harder. There's so much trust. It's like, hey, you want to go walk your dog at 2 p.m.? Great, go for it. We want you to. 
So I just think it's very eye-opening and just wonderful to see that people can just be themselves, like bring your whole self to work and whatever that looks like. That's awesome. That is amazing. And that really, that warms my heart because, you know, being once again, someone that's been on both sides, like in a great culture and a very, very toxic one, knowing that the CEOs are not it doesn't sound like they're micromanagers. It doesn't sound, it sounds like your team trusts one another and that as leaders, you're not always every second. I mean, it's a case by case basis. You know, there's always those people or folks that could take advantage being in a virtual world, not being online and working and doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. But, you know, when folks aren't online, you know, they're green slack, you know, icons green, You know, like, what does that process look like? I think a lot of the time, these are things that people don't really talk about Slack and the Slack light and like the, you know, different things where people might be panicking. Oh my gosh, like I need to run back to my computer. Those folks that work really hard and they're fearful if their light's not on what their managers are thinking, you know, being in a good culture, like the culture that you're in, it doesn't sound like any of that type of stuff happens. No, not from my vantage point at all. I would never think any different of anybody if they, I would actually be like, wow, they're probably just really busy and they're focusing. We've also talked as a company of how Slack is very distracting and don't let it get it so distracting that you can go take a break. You can, the other day I was prepping for a session. And so I just said to one of our demand gen marketing managers, like, hey, I'm going off Slack because I have my own anxiety around that from my previous, you know, companies and places I've worked as well. And I don't need to go tell him to do that. Tell him that I'm not going to answer him for two hours. I can just do that. But it's some of that in your own head a little bit. And he's like, okay, you know, like that doesn't, I think that's the first time I've ever done that. And I've worked here for a year and a half and it was my own, like, I'm just not going to be here for two hours on Slack, but I was off practicing a session that I'm giving in person next week. So it's just kind of silly when you think about it, but yeah, we've had like company-wide discussions on being productive and you don't have to answer Slack right away. You can be doing your work for hours on end and it's not something that is expected. That's so cool. I mean, obviously sales, it's a numbers game and people that, you know, it's, to keep the lights on, you know, things need to happen. Pipeline needs to be generated, et cetera. But that's really cool. If numbers are being put on the board and someone's Slack lights not on, there's not those panic buttons that people are like, what, what's going on? So I think that's, that's a really cool message for leadership that could be listening to this episode, but, you know, kind of taking a step back and kind of getting back into marketing a little bit. I think I described marketing and I'm not in marketing. Well, I mean, kind of yes and no with what I'm doing here at the Sales Development Podcast and doing some other stuff to be able to generate you know, inbounds and other things like that. I'm thinking like, okay, marketing is like you're a blackjack player, like at least the way I described it. And you're like, you know, that's interesting. But what was the way that you described it? Tell me again. I think it was a conductor, was it? Yes. So like, let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you I don't like the blackjack. <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, you're like, no. yeah, David, that blackjack analogy sucked. <laughs> it's a little bit more risk. I guess there's some players that are really good. So yeah. then I'll agree with that when you have an outstanding blackjack yeah. player. It's okay, um, it sucked. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm just playing. No, so I guess 
you did ask me this question and I don't know if I've ever been asked it before, but the first thing that came to my mind was a conductor mm-hmm. because it's very methodical and very strategic when you sit looking across all the different functions of marketing and how they all play together. Mm-hmm. So you have to make decisions on the daily where your focus is, where it's not, especially if you're working at a scale-up startup, there's a million opportunities, right? But you really need to focus on like, what's going to move the needle? What's mm-hmm. going to make the most sense for our business? And I think it's more about a conductor because of the business acumen marketing is today. Marketing absolutely has a seat at the executive table and it's an integral part of any business for growth. And so that's how it needs to be, quote, conducted (laughs) is it drives revenue. And you're pulling strings because like, you know, have you ever, I mean, obviously with being you, you being in marketing, have you ever done a campaign that just absolutely failed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And so like, oh, yeah, it's like you put in some chip, you put chips over here, like, dang, that failed. But now do you learn from those experiences of like a failed campaign and be able to like tweak things a little bit more? And right after that failed campaign, the next one just blew up or ended up you blew your number out of the water, whatever those KPIs look like. Yeah, absolutely. So I said this yesterday and I haven't said it in a very long time, but marketing is gray. Any marketer, I don't care what role it's in, you have to live in the gray. And if you can't live in the gray, like it's going to be a very difficult place for you in 2022, right? And so a lot of that comes with the ability to test fast and fail even faster because you need to learn and you need to understand what went wrong. And if you don't, the biggest learning is, okay, don't do that exact campaign again until you can figure it out or go in a different direction or test something else. Or, you know, there's so much research now. It's like customers and prospects and people love to talk. It's like, there's so many ways of testing things without a full launch now that you can go get feedback. You know, an example of that is when you do a lot of high level brand messaging or positioning, which is really important, just like in an SDR role. It's like, what's your opening line? What's the pain that you're pulling out? Right. So it's like, before you start to pivot and do that at any level of scale, you should be testing that. And you can do that so easily now with like LinkedIn, you can just reach out to people that are in your ICP and they might give you 10 minutes Mm -hmm. to say, Hey, what do you think of this positioning? Is this part of your pain as you know, whoever is it, as a AE, if you sell to say AEs as a sales tech, no, it's not. Oh, great. Tell me why it's not, you know? So you need yes. to do that level of research and you can do that post campaign. You should be doing it pre. And sometimes there's not always time for all of that, right? You just got to like run with it and go, but there's a lot of different ways to learn before, during, and then after campaigns. I love that. I love the way that you really think about how you're going to roll out your marketing planner, you know, your go-to-market and really beta testing. You're always be testing. They say it in sales and sales development all the time. I know Will Allred over at Lavender, he's like, always be testing. Like some folks, they always be selling, always be testing. Like, you know, for an example, you know, maybe the thing that I would say, it's like, you have so many people that reach out to you on a daily basis. They're trying to sell you something. Mm -hmm. What catches your attention? Like, because you have to pick and choose your calendar. I mean, even trying to get the scheduled with you is near impossible. You're busy. And, but the great thing about our communication is you're so, you always get back to me in a very timely manner. So I totally respect that. So it's like, what are the things 
that SDRs should be looking to do if they were to reach out to you or reach out to another head of marketing to get your attention and break through all that digital clutter? Love it. I love it. So fun thing. I very rarely unsubscribe. You should see my personal email and my work <laughs> email because I am like a sponge because I want to see what's out there and what other people do, especially B2C. I just think B2B can learn a lot from B2C. But to answer your question, uh, I think short, sweet, direct, and different. So right. I'll tell you a couple of years ago, I wish I remembered their name. I would use it right now, but <laughs> an SDR, I should just figure it out. An SDR from Vidyard reached out with a video and this was probably three and a half years ago, I would have to guess mm -hmm. with a video that was very personalized, you know, it, right in the email, it had a GIF and it had my LinkedIn profile. And so when I clicked on the video, it went through and talked about how I went to Quinnipiac, which is my undergrad. And then it rolled over at the time I was working for community brands and it rolled over to one of the, our sites, our websites. And he gave this little like quick anecdotal thing. And just for the level of effort that he did, I was like, this is so impressive. And I'm like, I, in my head, I'm like, how big is his book of business? Like, I just kept thinking of like that personalization that he caught my eye and broke through. And the subject line wasn't long. The text in the email wasn't long. I know that's a very specific use case because it's through video, but right. it was very, very personal to me. And I'll tell you that anytime it's really broken through is either a pain point that I have as head of marketing or a data point with questions. I love, that's like my own personal, I love the like 79% of heads of marketing have this, you know, XYZ problem. Do you Tara? Because that's all I think about all day, right? Is yes. Strategy and how we can do something better or optimize or growth or whatever it might be. And so just having people question and make them think, I think is the absolute best way to get through marketing and personal. I like that. And so like, do you find the fact like when somebody tries to do a hard close, for example, being like at the end of it, being like, Hey, I've got some availability at one or three, what works better for you? Like those type of, I'm not a big fan of those type of emails, but it almost just like, doesn't even give you a chance to digest the message. Would you rather have a soft CTA where somebody asked like that question that you were just talking about, like sound interesting question mark? right? Like where it gets you a chance to actually think, or do you want that like straight close where they give you an option of time to meet because in sales and sales development, they're always thinking about the right messaging, but here we are on the show, CMOs and SaaS series, where we're actually speaking to the person that SDRs are reaching out to. So I would love to hear how you like to be spoken to when somebody is reaching out, if it's one-to-one -one or one-to-many or whatever the case may be, like, why don't we talk through that a little bit? Yeah. The CTA and the clothes. Yeah. Super interesting. I got to go with more of like a value add, honestly. Yeah. And I'm thinking more on like the first outreach or the first couple, sure. unless it just like blows my mind. And I happen to at that exact moment already be thinking about maybe some MarTech or whatever it might be. And that timing is just like impeccably right which is hard to be in my brain, right? It's just one of those things without like intent data or something that you knew that I went and did on the internet. So for me, I need a little bit more time 
Yeah. I'm not just going to immediately book like a 15 minute 30. It does to me, it doesn't matter if you're like, Hey, do you have 10 minutes of my time? And I'll say this right now. I've written a ton of marketing emails for SDR. So I also know those clothes. So totally get it. Yeah. You know? So personally for me, I need a little bit more value with, you know, check out this resource or this case study. But again, you're talking to a marketer. So we help build this content. So yes. that might be a little bit why, or I, I need to take my time. And my first initial gut would always be either to click whatever they think is the most value added asset that they send. It's a link, it's attachment, it's a video, whatever that might be. But then I'm going to go just check out actually what the company does. Awesome. So I'm going to just try to paint a picture here. So with a first email, for example, would you appreciate more of somebody just being like, hey, hopefully you and your family are staying safe. They did uh, some research, let's say, for example, where you live and kind of personalize it that way, but then also no call to action at the very end, but really just sharing, hey, I attached a one pager. I saw that you ended up posting that, you know, you and your team are focused on, you know, top of funnel or whatever the case is or whatever you're posting. They did the research, but they didn't make the call to action on the first touch, but gave you that one pager. Would you appreciate that more for the next time that they followed up, like maybe seven days later, where it was like, okay, then they made the call to action where it's like, hey, do you want to set time? Or do you want them to continue to build value before you would even consider speaking with them? Like, I know that there's a lot of painting pictures here, but I think this is really fun. Yeah. So I just need the value first because I I need to do it on my own time. And I'm also trying to think of examples of when this happened too. So I think there was, I forget the name of the company, but their SDR had sent me emails and it basically was like tutorials, like online demos, a little bit to put on your site. And I was like, oh, that's so interesting. It caught my attention. So I read the the email, but I directly went to their site. It's like, you're also talking to marketers that are going to do a ton of research on their own. Yeah. Like a ton. That might be for me, five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, because typically we're never going to get on a phone with anybody on the sales team without doing some level of research. So the more research you could put in my inbox, the better from my end. So if you can send me that link or that video or that case story, you know, whatever you're trying to like bring all of that, I'm going to read through all of that and then it'll stick my mind. And so I think you can win if you can get me to read the email. The first step obviously is open, but if you can get me to actually read, unless it's a burning problem, I'm probably not going to respond in you know, set up a meeting, but I will when it makes the most sense when I decide, okay, this is kind of worth my time to check out. That's amazing. And that makes me think that to the next step, how are you going to open the email? You get so many of them. We talk about subject lines and sales and sales development all the time where it's like, you know, being short and concise. Do you use an emoji? Do you not? Do you use a well dot, 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 or a hashtag, something that looks different? to grab your attention, or if it's just strictly value-based, you might think to yourself, oh my gosh, here we go. Hey, do you want to increase, you know, marketing or whatever they're trying to end up selling you by X, Y, and Z percentage? My first thought, at least when I get pitched, delete, I don't even open it. I'm like, okay, this is another person trying to pitch me. I was thrown through a sequence, no personalization. What does that subject line look like for them? for you to open that email? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> I know, I know. These I'm are t- thinking of me personally and then also what 
our team does and what I've written too for sales. So it's just kind of a funny, it's really making me think today. Like, no, this is fun. No, this is fun. This is what this was supposed to be. You had yeah. no idea we were going to be going in this direction. We just let this episode just love roll it. out naturally. These are the funnest episodes to make. Yeah, no, I love it. I would say I completely agree. And this isn't just from like a marketing. I know that the shorter subject lines work. Just Mm -hmm. if you read anything about email marketing, typically from an SDR, even from like just an email marketing sent from the marketing team, there's just so much clutter that people don't have the attention span. And the other reason is, and this is now we're going down the marketing route, but a lot of people live and die by their notifications. They're in meetings. And at the same time, their eye is on their inbox. It's also on their phone, Mm -hmm. right? And so- you're constantly working on something, you're in a meeting, you're doing other things, but you're always keeping an eye on your email. So think about that. You only have a certain amount of characters that's actually going to break through. And if you did that and caught my attention in a meeting, I'm going to go back and look for that email. But if it was just running on and running on and I didn't really understand, or to your point, you're like, oh, you know, our company does X, Y, and Z and this and this and this, like in the subject line, it's like, okay, boring, right? So it has to be different, unique, and however you want to do that. I think the emojis, the shorter, something funny. That's the other thing that I'm like loving in B2B is the funny. Historically, we've been kind of known as boring and dry and, Mm -hmm. you know, where it's like, yes, there's the brands that are getting very like creative and making people laugh. Our latest, we call it expand for demand, email nurture campaign to like new segments in our ICP our demand gen marketing manager sent it to me and I was looking at some of the email copy and I was literally smiling and laughing at some of the gifts that we put in there and you brought out the emotion. Yes. So in marketing, if you can have somebody remember you or smile, if they hear your brand to me that you won, you absolutely won. And if you can do that through email marketing as an SDR, whether it's completely personal or it's a cadence or outreach, then you did your job. I know that you need to attach it to revenue, but you're trying to make a memorable experience. And so if you can make that funny or stand out, however you want to test and try that, then that's really where you should focus today. No, absolutely. And, you know, just a story that came to mind just really quick in regards to that is I said something funny when I was reaching out to a VP of marketing, I said something funny along the lines, like Santa's coming to town, you know, put, you know, respond with your home address or something along those lines, but it was a really quirky type of email. The marketer responded, I hope I'm going to be getting a Ferrari, right? Or something like, I don't remember exactly to the extent. And at that point, I'm like, all right, he wants to play this. I sent him a remote control Ferrari. And so I actually leveraged Sendoso and I sent the Ferrari to him and the remote control to that Ferrari to the CEO. So they were confused to get them both in a room to be able to then make that decision. If this is like, at least get them in a room to talk about what Sendoso did. And he absolutely loved it. They moved forward. They bought with us at Sendoso, but it's like thinking in an innovative way. I'm like, how can I like turn this into something? Ferrari, remote control, He's confused. I got a car, but where's the remote? And then in the note, it said, check with your CEO, got him in a room. And that was just a lot of fun to do that. It's unbelievable. (laughs) It's personalization at scale. And I actually love direct mail. 
for that reason. And I think the more that this is way back when, when I, it was like one of my first jobs, we used to break down our segments into like industry. And I remember we did a legal campaign and we were targeting like CTO, CIO, and we sent them gavels, like stress relievers, like gavels with these little postcards. And I can't take credit. It was our, (laughs) you know, VP of marketing at the time. I was like a marketing coordinator. We got so many responses just because they were so impressed. And we'd write a handwritten note and it was so much work. But again, we were at an enterprise level. So it's like, you know, the ROI of that campaign, if you landed one of those customers, it's like, it's a win. It's a win. It's It's a win. Yeah, It was just so different. And it broke through the clutter to your point earlier. And it's just really the idea of capturing people's attentions now. And I think the more the personalization, I've even said it three or four times on this podcast. I love it. The fact that you need to bring it to their human level. I don't think personalization should be just broad way of doing work or, you know, getting to somebody's like, you know, mindset. It's really about like, how do you make it more human that might have nothing to do with work to your point of like the Ferrari, or I was laughing when you were telling that story that I might respond with like, sweet, are you paying for like my kids Christmas gifts? You know, like something like that. that I'm in my mind right now because that's what I'm thinking of that situation. Right. So it's like the more you can get down to that actual human level of that person, because it's the people that sell things today. People buy from someone that they trust. Correct. So that's, yeah, that's, I think a good place for SDRs to focus on too. So, yeah. And it's so fun because I thought, you know, we were going to go in a couple different directions on the show, but like, you said certain buzzwords. I'm like, oh, interesting. We got to go down this path. And I think, you know, that's what makes this podcast so fun when having being able to speak with, you know, really smart individuals like yourself that is really getting into the weeds, like trying to understand how the marketing mind works and how SDRs, like, I think this really helps SDRs in a way of being like, you know, I didn't think about it like that. But if the head of marketing likes this, maybe how can I craft my messaging around that? I think there's so much value in this episode here. And, you know, I'm just really grateful for the time, you know, that you devoted to come on the show today. And, you know, I would love to give you the last couple of minutes to maybe just talk a little bit about, you know, maybe what you and your team are doing. Like, I'm a little bit curious too, because I went on your website. I think what you guys are doing amazing, but in your own words, like, what do you guys do? Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> so get accept, we are a digital sales room platform. And so our co-founders kind of set out with this vision five or six years ago. But last year, we actually helped create the category with G2. And we are the leaders in this new category. So from a marketing standpoint, we are focusing a lot on category creation and awareness and educating the market. So a DSR or a digital sales room, basically what it is, is a client-facing portal. So a client-facing hub that allows buyers and sellers to interact in one place to share content, to bring in stakeholders. So they kind of exchange and it comes in from the first opportunity through the sales cycle to accelerate all the way to close. And so there's a lot of capabilities in there too for the communication. So we have chat, you can go back and forth. There's video, there's automatic reminders. And from a sales VP level or sales operations, you have all the analytics behind it. 
So you're really like building a way better buying experience. So it's all about that buyer experience. So you're not living in your Slack, you're living in your inbox and you can bring it all in one place. So everybody knows where that meeting summary is, that video, the buying negotiation happens there. So yeah, we're on a mission to really help um, all account executives to build a better experience for their buyers. That's so awesome. And no wonder you have such good alignment internally there because that's what you really, that's your mission, right? And so I think that's super cool and definitely would love to learn more offline, of course. But, you know, once again, I'm so happy that you were able to come on the show today. Thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to getting to know you more on a personal and professional level because you're just such an amazing person. So thank you so much, Tara. Hopefully you have an awesome weekend and we appreciate you coming on the Sales Development Podcast. Thank you so much. I had such a blast. So anytime. All right. Well, take care, everyone. Thank you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.